coming up on today's Future of Film podcast. Because there's kind of like a myth around the idea of like who's ready for an opportunity. More often than not, people are groomed for an opportunity. So how do you reconsider what production means? How do you reconsider what development means to structurally create a space where those voices can kind of be uplifted? Hello, welcome to season five of the Future of Film podcast. My name is Alex Stoltz, and this is a show where we share insights and strategies from the pioneers, trailblazers, and disruptors who are shaping the future of film. This episode is very much about film's future because it's all about bringing new storytelling talent into the industry. And my guests this week are Mahin Ibrahim and Philip. Donfair. Maheen and Philip are the executives behind Disney Launchpad, the pioneering new program for untapped filmmaking talent. Available now on Disney Plus, the outcome of the program is a series of bold and original stories from emerging creators. The films themselves are really worth checking out. But in this show, I talk with Maheen and Philip about how the program works and the broader process of nurturing new talent. We also talk a lot about inclusion behind and in front of the camera and dig into the reasons that so often prevent a wider range of talent entering and progressing through the system. If you're enjoying the show, just want to find out more, there are a few ways to stay in touch. Firstly, you can subscribe for updates at the home of Future of Film. That's futureoffilm.live. Here you can check out all five seasons of the podcast and dig into other free resources like the Future of Film Report, the Future of Film blog, and also check out the Future of Film Summit. So that's futureoffilm.live. Live, And why not just also hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice to ensure you don't miss another episode of the show. We have some amazing guests coming up in season five. So be sure to hit subscribe and check out futureoffilm.live. So that just leaves me to say thank you for listening. And please enjoy this conversation about Disney Launchpad with Mahin Ibrahim and Philip Domfe. Mahin and Philip, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time. And I'm really excited to be talking to you today about Launchpad. Congratulations uh, on, on the program. What was the objective for starting this program? So I joined the company nearly three years ago uh, to take what was just an idea on a piece of paper and really flesh it out to what it is today, which is original live action shorts for Disney Plus uh, for kids, families, people of all ages to celebrate and watch together. And uh, the program could have gone, you know, several different ways in the brainstorming phase. There was talk about new technology and new ways of storytelling, uh, it, you know, really pivoting towards that as the future. But uh, after getting a lot of 
feedback from executives and people really championing what we're looking to do. We settled on original short films. And I think what that resulted is what you'll see today, which is extremely personal, moving short films straight from the filmmakers' hearts and minds, their personal experiences they've lived through, which they've kind of crystallized on screen. Yeah, and it's it, uh, absolutely, and I'm you know lucky enough to have seen the shorts, and they are it's a, it's a very um, it's a window into different story worlds which you don't often see, and and that was was that a clear you know um, objective in the in the program to to show different types of stories and different types of people making those stories. So a clear objective for the program from the beginning was uh, what are we looking what are we really looking to try to do here? So for us, it was about taking a look at who has been missing from the table for over a hundred years in Hollywood and giving those artists the tools and resources to make their magic happen. So really looking to open up access and opportunity to those in Hollywood who have historically not had it. And uh, we are really look, we are really just getting started. Uh, Philip joined last year to run season two. And so I'll pass it over to Philip to talk about ways uh, we are looking to widen the impact for season two in the future. Well, thanks so much, Mahin. Um, and Alex, like she said, we really have a passion and a vision for bringing more people um, to the table who haven't had the opportunity. And so with our first season, we're able to work with writers and directors. Um, and as we've just been strategizing and thinking about what we're gonna do for season two, we were thinking that, and just identifying that, the social economic barrier that you have as a director um, to getting your first works done um, can, can often make it that underrepresented filmmakers really are starting out just as screenwriters because maybe they haven't gotten a grant or scrolled enough enough money, scrolled away enough money to kind of make the first short. So with season two, we're going to be bringing writers into the program as well. So you can apply for season two, which I have to say applications are open now uh, through June 11th. Always got a plug whenever I get a chance to do it. Um, but you can apply for season two of Launchpad as a writer, as a director, as a writer director. So really, wherever you've been able to get to this point and refine your skills, you'll have access to Launchpad. And we think that this is going to take the story storytelling in our program to the next level. And we also think this is going to allow us to bring more people into the program. So, you know, we had 1,100 applicants for season one, and we're only able to work with six filmmakers. And so we're hoping to, I mean, at least double that, but just create more opportunities for people to get access. Amazing. And, and tell me a bit more about how the program works. You know, you're obviously supporting the creation of the the films but do the how, how does the the disney infrastructure support the the filmmakers and do they get what sort of what kind of access do they get to the studio well i mean that's really the exciting thing about disney launchpad right um, first and foremost, we pair all of our filmmakers with creative executives across the business. So that's Lucasfilm, Pixar, Disney Live Action, 
um, Marvel Studios. You know, there's so many different brands within Disney with really excellent, like I, I personally believe creative executives operating at, operating at, you know, the heights of their capacity and their abilities. And so that pairing, which is just kind of core to what we do, really brings in, you know, really pairs these young new voices with just the tried and true storytelling practice and production expertise here at Disney. Aside from that, we, when we go into production, when we go into pre-production, all of these kind of phases, we're really giving exposure to our filmmakers, to all the different kind of parts of the studio that would support and help make a studio picture. So we're talking about, you know, production executives, we're talking about um, music teams, you know, costuming, casting, all of that. And so truly we're making like studio films, even though they're, you know, on the shorter end, you know, around, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, these are really studio endeavors. And the exciting thing about all of that is that it creates a situation now where in the past, underrepresented indie filmmakers are really kind of underexposed to how a studio would make a film. Our filmmakers are really learning, are able to really kind of practice and demonstrate their capacity to operate at this high level, which we think is going to be career defining for them. Yeah, that's amazing to have that experience and insight uh, and hands-on experience of what it, what it actually means to, to work and make movies in that space. And of course you, then it's, you know, it's a case of they just have an audience of a hundred million global uh, you know, people around the world to, to see the movies. I mean, that's, that's extraordinary. Um, what, you know, this is obviously the name is Launchpad that suggests that, that you know, these, these creative, uh, you know, talented people are flying off to, you know, in terms of their career. What, ha- what have you got thoughts in terms of how they, you know, the, the program will continue to support them or where do you see their sort of career paths going now? So Philip and I like to call ourselves, they're kind of in-house agents and managers really doing what we can uh, within the company. We love nothing more than to have their next career opportunity be here with us uh, in the Disney family. So our advocating and championing them as our our mentors, their creative executive mentors as well, um, making uh, creative introductions um, and really helping them kind of on their path. And we're really looking to do what we can on unprecedented ground. The biggest challenge for a director for sure is how to find funding for your first feature film, how to truly break in when it is just money at stake. And so uh, we are really using and, and hoping to leverage this moment with Launchpad and all the excitement uh, to talk about true transformation and what are ways that we could, as a company and as an industry, help remove those barriers uh, to actually having directors work. If I could maybe add something to that, and I think very well said, Mahin, I think it really takes you know, we're at, we're at the beginning of these conversations, but, you know, with a lot of things in life, you really kind of have to observe the structure and how the structure has been built in a certain way to support certain types of access, you know? So when it comes to, for example, a filmmaker making the first feature, 
you know, the consideration, as you said, is like the, the financial risk. And so, you know, more often than not, you'll have, you know, it's been like this for a long time. We've seen tons of examples of it. So it's not even worth to like, to name someone specifically, but like how many times have you kind of seen like a white male director come from the indie world, then get plucked for our, a very big feature films, like $200 million budget with all these shiny tools and things that of course they didn't demonstrate they knew how to do with like the small, cute, you know, indie that, that went to a film festival. And so really kind of what's happening there is that they're being groomed and selected and built and prepared for that opportunity to do something really big and dynamic. And so how do we select and prepare filmmakers who generally haven't been looked at as someone with the opportunity or as the special person as someone who can step into that opportunity, right? Because there's kind of like a myth around the idea of like, who's ready for an opportunity. More often than not, people are groomed for an opportunity. So how do you reconsider what production means? How do you reconsider what development means to structurally create a space where those voices can kind of be uplifted? That's really fascinating, I think. And um, just, yeah, really um, insightful. And so, yeah, but, I mean, this is, I guess the launch pad can play some role in, in doing that, but um, how do you, how do you see the sort of why, and, and Disney can play some role in addressing that, but how do you sort of see that being addressed on a, on a wider level? If you, not that you have all the answers to everything, but it's um, it's a it's a yeah, I'd be fascinated to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think just to kind of take it down to more of a microcosm. For example, there are so many ways to open up access uh, because making a film is not just the director uh, doing it all themselves. But we had hundreds of crew members, and our focus was a 360 lens of inclusion through and through, who are also looking to advance in their careers. So our uh, physical production team, who are also executive producers on the project, our leads there, have taken this responsibility very seriously to advance our crew's careers and have looked to staff uh, some of our crew members on other Disney live action productions or within their own studio. Uh, so we have at least kind of five uh, crew members. They've been able to really kind of push forward. They're actively thinking about this. Uh, so really looking to widen the impact where we directly can and start with that first. Uh, and, and, and again, that is just huge kudos to them for making that happen. You're listening to Future Film Podcast with me, Alex Stoltz. I'm in conversation with Maheen Ibrahim and Philip Domfer from Disney. If you're enjoying the show, why not subscribe on your podcast player? And I start this section by asking Maheen about her career and about her role as Director of Inclusion, Diversity and Equity at Disney. In 2015, I myself started to become more aware of these systems in place within entertainment. And so I moved down to LA to get my master's in film. 
And it wasn't until Oscar So White and um, uh, being a part of the Black Lives Matter movement that I just became more aware of all of the structural barriers in place in entertainment. And that really galvanized me to try to work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so at the time, many of the jobs um, are, were in HR and I had zero HR experience. So I spent uh, kind of several years looking for the right opportunity and then heard about this, which was to pair my own experience in digital video and my kind of tech days uh, with this field. And so that eventually is what got me here, uh, which I am extremely, extremely honestly honored to be a part of this process, this program, and this department, which I think every uh, kind of corporation really is taking diversity, equity, inclusion very seriously now. And so it's been a true moment of change in my own career to be able to do this work uh, right now. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And um, do you have any other, uh, are there any other particular big projects you're you're working on for for this at this time, or or is it a case of um, working with individual departments and, um, and and sort of plugging in more into the the overall infrastructure? So our team was founded. Um, really to first and foremost be a partner to our studios. So working with our creative partners in Marvel Studios, for example, Disney Live Action, Pixar, as Walt mentioned, uh, to ensure our films and series as are culturally authentic as possible. So um, our film Moana really pioneered this framework of bringing in historians, experts, academics, to consult on each aspect of the film and the entire life cycle of the film from development to marketing. And so our team really was founded to first ensure that that uh, system is set in place. And then we are really looking to expand. So that was the goal of me, of bringing me in, not just making sure our movies and series now are authentic and representative of the world we live in, uh, but our future slate and helping build uh, the kind of opportunities for future filmmakers as well. And then key to our team uh, is our focus on people and culture. So we have a great team really in place uh, with the goal of making sure every employee at Disney feels like they belong. Amazing. Moana, oh, I love Moana. And the and the story world constructed the uh, that's fascinating to hear about how that was um created because it just adds authenticity doesn't it and it makes it much more just so much more powerful and um yeah you know really really um stand out so that's what a, what an exciting role um you, Mahin, you, um May I ask you, you, you've written before about representation of Muslim women in, in Hollywood and, and filmmaking. Do you, um, how, how do you sort of see that progressing or um, where, where do you sort of see things currently and specifically to do with that right now? So I uh, really feel like we are at such an inflection point with Muslim representation on screen. And um, so much of me growing up 
uh, has been becoming sadly very used to seeing media depictions of Muslim women as oppressed and Muslim men and women as terrorists. And uh, essentially much of what's been left out of the conversation is just that like everyone, we are messy and complicated and emotional and make tons of mistakes. And all of that has really just been left out of the conversation completely. Uh, so my parents are immigrants. They came here to just survive and give us stability. They were not looking to uh, widen the impact any more than their kind of own community. So they really came here to just build the infrastructure, have mosques, have places where people could gather. And, and, and uh, we are really looking to, um, and they have passed the baton to the next generation, uh, really looking to widen that impact and enter new fields that we haven't before, like the arts. So it's been amazing to see in my own lifetime, um, the show Rami come out, um, the actors like Mahershala Ali being loud and proud about being Muslim and um, on the heels of American Eve, the short. Um, unbeknownst to me, now the whole world will know how to pronounce Eid, a holiday that mm -hmm. I have been celebrating, you know, for um, decades and uh, didn't realize that nobody knew how to pronounce it. Uh, thank you for that. Um, we'll just, go, just jumping back quickly to Launchpad, um, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in, in the program? Um, obviously, it was... Well, I say obviously, it must have been over 2020, uh, so not the easiest year to to be producing six new films. Tell me, tell me a little, yeah, tell me how you coped with that, I suppose, and any other sort of challenges which particularly surprised you. Sure, Philip, I can pass this one to you. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think as you said, COVID is the challenge right um and it's it's almost i don't want to say like boring to talk about but it's just like always the answer it's like what happened to you last year oh covid same here um and so our you know we, we've said many times uh, or many a time rather our filmmakers demonstrated such grace and leadership and fearlessness by taking these productions into COVID. I mean, we had a, a pretty large hiatus, which I think was natural and kind of the right choice as we got into the fall with the support of Disney and the adherence, um, you know, strict adherence to COVID safety protocols as productions ramped up, <clears throat> our filmmakers were bold enough to take that step. Um, and they, by accomplishing these amazing short films during just really a, a one in a hundred kind of tragedy um, sticking to their voice, leading the productions. I mean, I think they've really demonstrated that they're some of the best in the, in the business. And um, I, I also just, just a brief aside. I love that these films don't feel like COVID productions because, you know, sometimes you, you watch something and like everyone's like 20 feet apart from each other or like not in the same frame. And you're like, all right, brother, I know this was one of them, their COVID productions. Um, but really, I mean, and this has everything to do with this, the safety and the resources from Disney to be able to, you know, do everything to make these sets really safe. But they just feel removed in a way from a production standpoint. I think just really beautiful. 
That's uh, that's beautiful to hear, and uh, and a baptism of fire for the for the storytellers. Um, Guys, um, this is absolutely fascinating. I just have two more questions to ask you. They're questions which we ask all of our guests on a future of film. And so please ad- address them however y- you you want from your own perspectives. Uh, the first is, and it's, it's probably particularly relevant, having just worked with a number of uh, talented emerging storytellers, but w- what is your advice to an emerging storyteller. Mehin, do you want to go first? Sure. So uh, I would say my advice for an emerging storyteller is, um, I personally experienced this, uh, is to really fall in love with the process and not the outcome, which you have no control over. So um, all you do have control over is really celebrating and enjoying the creative process and using that uh, to process your own emotions and your own experience and uh, just falling in love with that. Yeah, I am sorry. I was trying to find the the name of an author of a book that is like um, changed my life. Uh, A book called The Artist's Way. Um, I read through at the top of the year. I'm reading through it again. And um, the author says that it's important for you to remember that your inner artist is a child and needs nurturing. So I think my answer would kind of be kind of two part, which is like follow your curiosity and nurture your, your inner child, your, your inner artist. And so that means like protecting it, creating an environment where it can flourish, make mistakes, try things. Um, especially specific to our business, filmmaking is the intersection of art and commerce. And a lot of times commerce can kind of dominate the conversation and the thinking, but you can't let that consider those considerations dominate your development as an artist. I think everything about making whatever creative work you're doing should really be separate from the idea of getting it, you know, it's a pathway to the audience. So, you know, really create a safe space for, um, yeah, for your, your artistic kind of voice to, to flourish away from kind of structural considerations that can sometimes kind of handicap it. I just uh, just reached for my copy of The Artist's Way on, on my bookshelf. Uh, oh, I love that. Ju- Julia Cameron. Thank you, um, yes, Julia but, Cameron. But I have, <laughs> you've inspired me to read it. It's been sitting there for, for, for too long. So Have um, you read it, have you read it no, yet? I have not. Oh, have it. yeah. It's, it's literally just been sitting there. So Get ready for a journey. Okay. Okay. Uh, thanks, Philip. Um Okay, and 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 this is this is the final question um, for we have a future of film podcast, and therefore we have to ask the question. And you please take this in any way you want. Film is film can be many things to many people, but uh, what is the future of film? Well, I can kind of personally share. I am 
The film I am extremely excited about this year is In the Heights, releasing June 11th. And uh, I think it'll be the first film that gets me into theaters post-COVID. And honestly, uh, in terms of just the education awareness I have gotten to be exposed to at this job. So in terms of within the U.S., uh, according to the census, um, 18% of our population is Latino uh, and Latinx, uh, and they have been left out of the conversation and storytelling in Hollywood for far too long. Uh, they're also our largest moviegoer uh, audience as well. And I am kind of personally excited to uh, see, and I think this is just the beginning of celebrated uh, kind of tent poles like in the Heights. And just to see this kind of accelerate within the US uh, is very personally exciting for me. Philip? <laughs> you close the show. Oh, wow. Well, here's what I'll say. The future that I would like to see in film, um, like many things have been kind of affected by technology and the internet, I'd like to see the future of film be more democratic. Um, I'd like to see more and new kind of unimagined pathways to getting your, um, your features made and your stories told kind of realize themselves. Um, obviously streaming has created a certain level of kind of disruption, but in 20 years and 15 years as technology advances, I just like to see that go further because I think that is a big part of the conversation. Um, when it comes to kind of changing who is, is telling the stories, like I mentioned before, there's a really big social economic barrier to being a competitive filmmaker, um, you know, with the means of distribution and all of that. And I, you know, I just would love to see a world where <clears throat> obviously there's more representation on the big screen from you know underrepresented communities, but that underrepresented filmmakers can band together and have more tools to just put their voice out with without any adherence to any gatekeepers and can kind of just build their own thing. And I I'd like to think that that's a feature that could really be realized soon. I mean, everyone has a cell phone now, and you can pretty much shoot a movie on a cell phone. You know, if we can do that today. 10, 15 years from now, could everyone have their own like green screen and like a room in their, you know, in their house and just kind of be making their own kind of wild, you know, CGI laden, you know, fantasy films. Um, so that's a, that's a world that I'd like to see. So that was my conversation with Philip Donfer and Maheen Ibrahim of Disney. If you want to find out more about Philip or Maheen, or indeed any of the guests on our show, you can do all of this at the home of Future of Film, futureoffilm.live. It's also where you can download the Future of Film 2021 report and dig into our other resources, all of our podcast episodes, and much more. So that's it for this episode. Thank you again for listening and look forward to seeing you again next time. <laughs>